And today I want to look at a, a story which is going to help us understand also the relationship of prayer to these situations that we face. How does our prayer life impact the way that we handle situations when the heat is on? And when the heat is on, how does that drive us to prayer and how do our prayers look in light of that? Now, some of these situations of the heat is on are forced on us by outside circumstances. But I want to ask you the question is, when was the last time that you felt the heat on you, the pressure on you, because of your faith? Because of a step of faith that you took, because you believed God was calling you to do something, and you kind of put yourself out there, and now you're going, okay, God, the pressure's on, you've got to come through for me. We're going to look at a situation like that, and today I really want to challenge you on several fronts. One is going to be, how do you get out of your comfort zone and really kind of do something that's going to really stretch your faith and stretch your prayers so that you're almost putting some heat on yourself? And you're putting God in a situation where you're just going, all right, God, you've got to come through. And then we're going to look at what prayer and how prayer relates to that. And the story that I want to look at is found in Acts chapter 2. Actually, Acts chapter 3. If you want to turn with me to Acts chapter 3, um, we'll have the, you have your Bibles in front of you, or maybe you use a, uh, an app like the Bible app, which is a great app on your phone or tablet, and you can follow along um, as, as well in a situation like that. And here what we're finding out is this is the book of Acts. And if you don't know the book of Acts, this is the, the book that follows after the resurrection of Christ. Actually, in the beginning of the book of Acts, we still see Jesus, and then uh, he speaks to his disciples, and then he ascends to heaven. And what the book of Acts is all about is the early formation of the church. The believers came together to form the church, and now we're going to follow this pattern of, of what did they do? How did they begin to form as the body of Christ, and how did they live in this world? And I love the name Acts. Aren't you glad that it's not called the book of sleeps? <laughs> the book of lounging? It's the book of Acts. It's the book of action and doing. And, and it's the church and the believers and the followers of Christ who are saying, you know, we now have just seen the resurrected Christ. Or we've heard the stories of what he's done. And now it's our turn to do something, to be about the business of what it means to follow Christ. And so we look at this book of Acts. And, and we're going to pick up a story here in chapter 3, which, which just starts out like a normal day. We all have our routines, right? We all have the way that we go through life and kind of your Monday through Friday routine and maybe changes up a little bit on the weekends and and you just go about life and it's easy to spend weeks, days and weeks where life just kind of seems to go about its normal business. And you might even feel like the heat's not even on, right? Like it's just, I don't know, it's just normal, it's just normal life. Well, here's a scene from a normal life early there as the believers were um, forming as the church and and we pick that up in Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. (sighs) Kind of boring, isn't it? Ever do that when you're reading your Bible? You're like reading along, you go, what did I just read? Was I just following along? I just read something. Like I just zoned out. I was thinking about lunch. My mind was somewhere else. I mean, kind of normal, right? I mean, it's, there's nothing exciting about this part of the story. There's Peter and John, and they're going to church one afternoon for a prayer service. I mean, this is like somebody writing about you guys, you know. Mary and Alan got up this morning. Oh, Mary, Alan was just about to put his arm around Mary, and I caught him. Ah, and he pulled back there. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. You guys, you're married. You know, you can, you can do that. Um, going to church. Sunday morning, just normal, got up, drove, parked in the parking lot, and showed up. 
And there was this guy, you know, and there's, he was begging like normal. Peter and John going to church. It's the afternoon. And there's this guy, and you know what we find out? For 40 years, he had been carried to the front of this temple, and he begs there every week. And he begs for money, and they've kind of got this thing worked out. He begs. People give him some money. It's enough to carry him through, and, and maybe they know his name by now. And it's just routine. And I think so many times our lives just seem so routine. And we go about the routine. We go about our business. And, 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 and when it comes to our faith, there's nothing exciting. We don't come together on Sundays, or we don't come to our small groups or Bible studies and go, you'll never believe what happened to me today. It's just kind of routine. And what I want to challenge us is maybe we need to change up our routine a little bit. Maybe you need to do something out of the ordinary. And here's what, here's what uh, Peter, Peter and John did. So they see this guy begging, and they've seen him probably many different times, and so have many different people, and they go about the normal business of giving us some money and then going into worship. But this day was going to look a little different. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting a gift. But Peter said, I don't have any money for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Did the story just become a little more interesting? It became very interesting, right? I mean, if you were in earshot right now, or if you're Peter and John, there's a lot riding on the situation. The heat just got dialed way up, didn't it? Because now it's like, what is going to happen? <laughs> this wasn't just giving some money. It doesn't take any kind of pressure. It doesn't take any kind of attention to give some money. But to say to somebody, get up. In the name of Jesus, stand up. You've just put yourself out there. You've just changed the routine. And, and what I see here beginning in this, in this part where Peter and John said, they looked at him intently, and then Peter said, look at us. I find that interesting too in this scenario. See, they didn't just turn their eyes from a situation. They didn't just have the singular focus about, here's what I'm going to be about. I'm going to be about my day and my prayer meeting and my family and my life and my job and the things that I got to get done. And I'm going to go about my business and my schedule. They looked at him. They noticed something around them. And they saw an opportunity where God could work. They saw an opportunity where something could break out of the normal and the average. And then they said to him, look at us. And they made eye contact with the problems. They made eye contact with an issue and a situation around them. And that they weren't just going to walk by, but they were going to speak into that situation. They acknowledged him as a person by looking at him and having him look back. And then they spoke these amazing words. I don't have any money, but I'm going to give you something more. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Somebody, somebody said, the church can no longer say, I don't have any money. People have the money to give. But we, can also, we also no longer say, get up and walk. I think there's a fear there. I, I mean, I look at myself and go, I don't know if I would have the courage. I don't have the courage to probably go up to a, to a lame man and say, get up and walk. And I wonder why not. Why don't we have that power? Why don't we believe that God can still do these kind of miracles? And, and what was it about this situation? But, but I think it's easy for us to kind of go, okay, well, that was just for the disciples, and, and I'm never going to do something like that. And so this story is a great story to tell kids and, and whatnot. But, but I don't know about, about me if I could do that. So I'll just kind of forget about it. But I want to ask you this question. Have you ever put yourself in a situation like that where God absolutely has to come through for you? You just kind of said some words, and I wonder if Peter just went like, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> oh boy, I'm either going to look like a fool now, right? Or I've just got the faith and the confidence that God's going to come through and he's going to create an opportunity here unlike anything we've seen before. I remember when we started this church, we, Shannon and I moved, moved out here, and it was uh, just me and Shannon and, and our daughter. She was 10 months old, and Shannon was pregnant. And, 
we didn't know anybody. And we were going to try to start a church in this community. We didn't have like a group of people that said, hey, let's start a church. So we just needed to meet people. And I remember leaving the house on, on, on different mornings and, going, and telling Shan, I'm, okay, I'm just going to head out. I don't know who I'm going to meet. I don't know where this day is going to end up. I don't know what kind of stories I'm going to have. But I would pray prayers that, that changed my prayer life a little bit. God, uh, I'm going to be open to see what you have around me. Lead me to the right people. Show me the right person. Um, help me to have some kind of encounter that, that's going to help us start the church. And I would get in my car, and I'd literally, I wouldn't, I don't know where I would go. I just thought I would leave the neighborhood and kind of just see where I would go. And, I'd, and then I'd kind of let my thoughts guide me. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go to this place and check that out. I'm going to see who I meet. And I can't tell you, there were opportunity after opportunity, moment after moment, where I would see God open a door and lead me to a person where I had a great conversation when we started our, the church at Santan Flat. I remember just the meeting that I had there with the, the president of the Chamber of Commerce, and then I met the owner of that place, and we ended up starting our church there in a, in a really neat story. But I remember those prayers where you just kind of put yourself out there, and you go, God, you've you got to come through. Or I think about a time uh, for, for our church, too, it's just kind of part of our, our history here. We were one year old as a church, and uh, we, had, we had grown to about 100 or so, sometimes a little more, and, and uh, right around that point. And I was thinking, what can we do in year two? If year one, we were able to be about 100 people, what's possible in year two? And how could we grow? And, and, and God kind of gave me this, uh, just this one word, which was double. I figured we could double, double our worship service, double our volunteers, double our giving, double our attendance. And, and if we all got on board with this, this, this is something we could do. If we were able to, to grow from zero to 100 with just starting from nothing, what could we do with 100 people? And I think that same thing still holds true for us today. And I remember he gave me that, 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 that thought for the message, and I was going to share it on the, whatever the, the next Sunday was that I was going to share that, and I was confident about that. That Sunday was our lowest Sunday ever. No, like, it was one of those Sundays where you go, where is everybody? And I don't know if it was a holiday Sunday, I don't remember, or if it was Super Bowl Sunday or something, but it was like nobody was around, and I'm thinking, this is kind of a silly Sunday to share the message of doubling. Like, why would I share the doubling message? People looking around going, why do we need to double? There's plenty of room, there's plenty of place to to grow, and, and I started doubting, do I really, should I really say that? Because if I put myself out there, what's going to happen? If I say to this person, get up and walk, what's going to happen? And, and, and I really wrestled, maybe I'll just downplay it a little bit, and I'll just say, you know, maybe we can just grow this next year. But no, God said, share the message boldly that we're going to double, and, or that that's, our, that that's our vision. And so I shared the message that Sunday, and I think we had 80-some people, which in one way made it easier because it's easier to double 80 than 120, right? So, uh, you know, maybe uh, I, I talked myself into that a little bit. Um, and, and so, but we, we weren't sure how that would go. And then the weeks kind of pan after that, we were trying to think, what, what do we do? What's our next step? And maybe we go to two services. And, and then God gave us this idea of, uh, of doing another venue, of opening up in another place. And I had this opportunity with the golf course at Johnson Ranch. And then we started thinking, what would it look like to do church where we try to remove as many barriers as possible, but leave the central message of Christ intact? And we came up with this idea to do church outdoors at the golf course. Anyone ever at church outdoors? Any of you? A few of you guys there? Yeah. Some of you still, still around. And, uh, and, and, and so we, we thought, what, what else could we eliminate barriers? Well, let's put it in a place where um, people are comfortable coming, you know, can come in their shorts, it's outdoors, let's throw in some breakfast. And then we thought... What else should we do? Let's, let's shorten the time. What's, what's the minimum amount of time where we could at least introduce people to the message and some worship? And we came up with this idea of 37 minutes. And we came up with 37-minute church. What do you guys think about that? 
yep, 37 minutes into church right now. This would be like, always remember Christ. We are one. You could go home. Not bad, right? I mean, it's a short church. Uh, and so we, had, we, we came up with that website, and we thought, we, we were never able to stay to 37 minutes, by the way. Um, if you know me, that's sometimes my messages are just 37 minutes. But, but it was this idea where we thought, let's, let's put that out there. Let's see what God can do. And, and we began to pray and plan. And, and that Sunday morning, when you're ever in that situation, and we've been in those situations a few times as a church, it's all on faith. And you're wondering, God, what are you going to do? How are you going to come through? The heat is on. The pressure is on. We set this thing. We're going to start a worship service on Easter out at this golf course, and we don't know if anybody's going to show up. I mean, why do we even have another site? We had enough room where we were. And so we set out some chairs, I think 30 or 40, and people started filling in those chairs little by little. It was a 9 o'clock service, I remember, on that Easter morning. And we're going, oh, this is good. We got 30 or 40 people coming. This is great. And then some more, 50, 60. We started setting out more chairs, 70, 80, 100. We filled the entire Johnson Ranch Terrace patio with chairs, and it still wasn't enough. We started putting chairs out on the lawn on the side, and would you believe it? There were 175 people that showed up at that service. And then we went to the school for our Easter service at the school, which we were at the other school, and we had almost 200 people showing up at that service. We were, I think, around 375 people on that Easter about eight weeks after I shared that message about doubling. We more than quadrupled in four months. Now, that wasn't our ongoing attendance after that point, but it was one of those moments where I just remember I kind of forgot about that message in the sense of what I was feeling until after the point, and then remembering, wow, God blew us away. We took a step of faith, we stepped out, and, and, and to watch God come through. And I think that's what, that's what Peter and John did here in a, in a big way. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Get up and walk. Everybody's watching. Everybody's looking. And then in verse 7 it says this. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankle bones were healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized this was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out to Solomon's colonnade where he was holding tightly to Peter and John. Everyone stood there in awe of the wonderful things that had happened. Would that change worship if if we had an experience like that this morning? Right? If, there's a, if there was a lame person that was out front begging, and all of a sudden we came in here, and I'll just use Mary and Alan again, because I already used you as an example, and, and they said to this guy, once they were, you know, stopped, you know, hugging each other and stuff, they said to this guy, stand up and walk, and he did, and he came in, and then he was up here in front, and leaping and praising God, I think our worship would be off the charts. We'd go, unbelievable, unbelievable what God has done. And I think sometimes the routineness of our lives, even the routineness of our faith, keeps us from experiencing God in some pretty powerful ways. Because we don't put ourselves in a situation where we really have to trust, where, where we really have to have that faith to put everything on the line and go, God, you've got to come through. Where we look at that person in the office that, that's asking for prayer and we say, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray for God to do something big. Or where we go and we serve somebody, we do something out of the ordinary. It's in those moments that God really comes through and, and where our faith really comes to life. And now you're going, okay, I, I, don't, I don't think I can heal a lame man, so, so maybe what, what am I capable of? Or what could I do? Well, let me give you an example on the complete other end of the spectrum. Now, we, we have these Live Love Days as a church. How many of you guys have been a part of a Live Love Day here at one? Okay? 
awesome. We'd love all of you at some point to be experiencing that. It's just a couple of hours on a Saturday morning where we talk about ambushing the community with love. Okay? And you guys know what an ambush is from like military terms or, or sports or like capture the flag. An ambush, right? You, you kind of hide and then you come out of nowhere like a ninja, right? And you swoop in and you do whatever you do and then you disappear again. We're like live, love ninjas, okay, on those days. We come in and out of nowhere, we ambush somebody with love, and then we leave. Now, on those mornings, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, this, and this was kind of our you know, idea as a, as a church to, to do these days. But I'll be honest with you, those mornings, many times, I would rather on a Saturday morning stay home and, like, sleep a little longer. Or I'm kind of busy with our kids and soccer, and so it's really hard to get to those days. Or maybe just to lounge by the pool a little bit, or maybe to watch some sports. Um, and I'm the pastor, and those are days, you know, that I kind of plan. It's not that I don't like what happens there, but, see, a live-love day takes us out of our comfort zone, doesn't it? When you, when you go out of your comfort zone, because now it's like, it's one thing on a Saturday to go about your business and to run into people that you do, but on a live-love day where you're saying, I'm going to intentionally ambush somebody who doesn't even know it, a complete stranger, and I'm going to do something for them, in me at least, it creates a little bit of anxiety and a sense of, how are they going to respond? What are we going to do? How, are people going to look at us funny? Are they going to think we're weird? And, but you know what? I do it. And I get out of the ordinary, and we break that comfort zone. And many of you guys do that. And we show up on those days going, all right, how are we going to do this? And, and I remember one, one, uh, one Live Love Day in particular, which was a lot of fun. Mary and Alan, you guys are in all these examples. That, well, this wasn't even planned. This is like your Sunday. Okay? You guys get to be the examples of the Sunday. We, we, we were meeting, and this time it was just me, and, and, and I ended up somehow getting paired with, with Mary and Alan. I think I drew the short straw. And, uh, oh, wait, it was the other way around, right? Um, and, and so we decided, what are we going to do? And, and we didn't know. It was, right around, it was right around Easter. And so we, you know, I've shared the story with, with, so, with some of you before, but um, we went into Walgreens, and there in that aisleway, in all of its glorious, colorful, bright, gooey, chewy, sweet splendor, were these things called peeps. There's no peeps? Yeah. Bright pink, blue, yellow, and, and I remember we just got arms full of peeps. We decided we're going to bless people that work around the community. We're just going to, like, surprise them with a gift of peeps, and then we're going to do a peep and run, right? We're just going to give them a peep, and then we're going we're gonna to go. And so I remember we, we were just carrying armfuls of, of peeps, and, and then we would just go to businesses, and then we would just walk in and say, what color do you want? And then they would, they would smile, and, and then, you know, like, you know, they don't necessarily want to accept them. But then, of course, it's peeps. They want them. Then we give it to them, and big smile on their face. Why would you do that? Hey, we just wanted to live love with you. Jesus loves you. Have a great day. And, and we moved on, and we went to, like, the nail salon, and, and, you know, the people doing the nails and those that are sitting there. You know, we just gave them out. And, and then we had this fun little thing where we, we thought we were driving around, and then we saw the Chase Bank. And we thought, this could be fun. And I'm here, like, we're like giggling like little school kids, right? We're like, we're going through the drive-thru. We're going to go through the drive-thru, and then we pull up, right, put the window down, and there's that little, like, thing, you know, that goes through. And so we're like, yeah, put a big one, you know, we're putting it in there, close it up, stick it back in, send the button, goes off. And then we're, like, watching, you know, like, peeking. And, and I remember the lady, you know, so the teller, she opens it up, and she's like, what's this? And we're like, oh, just, you know, live love, have, you know, have a great Easter or whatever. And, and she, she's just so thankful. And then I remember her friend comes over, and she said, hey, I want some too, the other teller. <laughs> like, what color do you want? And so she sends it back, comes back over. We stick another package in there. We shoot it back. It, it, and just a lot of fun. And, and what happens in those moments is we... we it doesn't have to be so extreme as these major things, although God calls us sometimes to take some big faith steps. 
Sometimes it can be something small where you're going to show an act of kindness. You're going to do an act of love for somebody. And what happens is it changes the whole feel for your day. I mean, I'm still laughing. We're still giggling about that. That was a memory. That was a great morning. But what about that person? What about those tellers at that window? Are they going home and do they have a story to share? They go, you'll never guess what happened to me today, you know? Instead of a customer complaining, out of nowhere, this thing comes and there's peeps there, you know? And they were just giving them to us. And, and it's these little moments that when life kind of breaks from the routine and we put ourselves out there a little bit and we watch what God does, it begins to fuel our faith. It begins to ignite us. It begins to have some stories for us to share and some fun things that we do. And, and I got to tell this one too. A couple weeks ago, the last Live Love Day that we did, Joey and Melissa and their family, the Sergeant family, right, they, they, uh, they went in as a big family and they went into the, the Walgreens and they pretended to have a, an argument or like a discussion, a debate about what's the best candy bar. To, to, you know, out there, and they would kind of pull the employees, and, uh, and, and you're like, and they would say, oh, I think Snickers are the best, I think this one, and, and then what they did is they went and they bought all those candy bars and gave them to each of the employees for the one that they said was the best candy bar, and it brought actually one woman to tears, didn't it, Joey, as you guys are sitting there, just, just moved so powerfully by the simple act of a 50-cent candy bar, or whatever they cost these days. Sometimes it's the little things. It's breaking the routine. It's doing something out of the ordinary. And then saying, God, use these opportunities. And see what happened as the story continues. Now everybody's got, Peter and John have everyone's attention, don't they? You, ha- you get the attention of people when you do something out of the ordinary, when you step out in boldness in your faith, when you risk something for God. People begin to take notice when your coworkers or friends or classmates or teammates see this person lives a little differently. They're willing to put things out on the line. They're not willing to follow convention. People begin to take notice, and that's what happened here. And so it says there in verse 12, as every, first in verse 11, everyone stood there in awe, right? And then in verse 12, Peter says, it says, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so astounding about this? And I go, really, Peter? <laughs> What's so astounding about this? Uh, duh, <laughs> this guy was lame and now he can walk again. What's so astounding about this? But Peter actually sees this as quite a normal thing. Like, you shouldn't be so amazed if you knew who was behind this and, and what was caused by this? He says, why do you look at us as though we had made this man walk by our, our own power and godliness? And you realize, look, he's not doing this through his own strength. We don't go out there just on our own and try to be bold on our own. But it's in whose strength. And so he goes through, and then he uses this as an opportunity to share his faith, to share the story of Christ. And eventually saying, turn from your sins and turn to God. And he goes through, this is the power, you know, the power of Jesus. And he's, they're having this great story. This great moment where people are responding in faith. But then all of a sudden, it gets complicated. Because as we look into chapter 4, while while Peter and John are talking to the crowd and they're preaching and teaching, it says, um, the leading priests, the the captain of the temple guard and some Sadducees came over to them. They were very disturbed that Peter and John were claiming on the authority of Jesus that there's a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, jailed them until morning. How about that? You got arrested by the church bouncers. Wouldn't it be cool if we had a role of church bouncers? How many of you guys would go, I'll volunteer for that, all right? Right, there we go. The temple, we need a temple guard. Beginning next week, we're going to have a meeting of the temple guard, and you guys have the authority to arrest anyone that does anything squirrely in church. 
And so that's what, I mean, that literally was here in the temple. They had the temple guard, and they came over, and the leading priest saying, what are you guys creating this ruckus for? And, and the Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead, and here they're claiming that upon the power of the resurrection, this man was healed, and they're going, you're causing a stir, you're creating a commotion. And what do they do? They arrested them. And it was late in the evening, and they threw them in jail. Now imagine Peter and John in jail that night. They were just going to church that morning, that afternoon. What if tonight you were sitting in jail somewhere because something like this happened? Because, because of a live love day. Because you stuck peeps in a drive-thru, <laughs> ATM drive-thru, or brought a candy bar for somebody. And he said, you can't do that around here. That's not okay. You guys can't just be loving the community like that. You can't be doing things for free as a church. You can't just have a pancake jam out in the main plaza there. That's illegal or whatever. Let's say something crazy happened or you stood up for somebody in a way. And somehow or you protested some injustice and you got in the way for that and you got arrested kind of changes up the boring routine, doesn't it? The heat's on. <laughs> but they must have been sitting there telling stories with each other and going like, Peter's, Peter's going to John, did you see the eyes, how big the eyes got of that temple guard when he saw what we were doing? That was the lame man. And that, I, mean, I mean, they had stories to tell because they were living in a way that put themselves out there and had to trust God to come through. And while, you know, we don't want to end up in jail, but some of us need better stories to tell in our faith, don't we? We don't have any better stories to say, but my faith consists of I go to church. That's what I do. Oh, that's what it means to be a Christian? I, I go to church. Well, when I can make it or when the football game's not on or if I don't have anything better to do. Or What does your faith mean to you? I mean, I, I pray to God sometimes. And we pray and our prayers are kind of flat. How many pre- prayers like this? Uh, maybe finish these out with me. Lord, be with us today. Right? How many we pray, be with us today? God, I'm already with you. I mean, what we pray, that I've, I've prayed some of that before, right? Lord, uh, give us traveling mercy. You guys pray the same prayers. Traveling mercies. Lord, place a hedge of protection around us. A hedge of protection. You need some shrubbery to go with you as you go down the highway? What's a hedge of protection? Where do we come up with these, these prayers? Lord, bless this food to our our bodies, to our nourishment, and bless the hands that we pray the same prayers, right? And sometimes we go, that's the, that's the nature of our prayer. Lord, be with us. Help us. Help our cough to get better. Help so-and-so to feel better. Lord, help me get an A on this paper, right? God, give me this promotion. And we go, if God answered all of our prayers, what would that look like? Well, we'd probably have better grades. We'd have a little more money. We'd maybe drive a nicer car, um, maybe we'd, we'd get sick a little less often. We go, is that, is that the kind of prayer life that really leads us into something powerful? And here's the a, here's a thing I'd like to, to say about prayer, and, and you'll see later that I don't think this just happened in isolation. I think it happened because of the kind of prayers that the disciples and that the followers of Christ were praying in those moments, that they felt that kind of authority and that kind of power. Because you see, I think our prayer life has a direct bearing on, our, on, on how we live out our lives. The boldness of our prayer life has a direct relationship to how bold we're willing to live for Christ. And how bold we live for Christ has a direct relationship to how we're going to pray. See, our prayer life changes when we put ourselves out there. I prayed a lot differently on that Sunday morning when I was waiting to see who would show up at the terrace for that outdoor church service than I did this morning for this church service. Because you get into a routine and you go, People will show up. It's Sunday morning. And, but there, when you put yourself out there, and I didn't know if somebody would come, it got me on my knees in a different way, and it makes me ask the questions, why not today? 
Why am I not praying those kind of bold prayers today for God to do something amazing and miraculous? Because we get into this routine of faith. And we don't allow God to really step in. So bold prayers lead to bold expressions of life. God gives us eyes to see what's around us and then the courage to step out to do something out of the ordinary. And then when we step out to do something out of the ordinary and bold, it changes the way we pray. And we get beyond just God help so-and-so's cough. Because God wants to do something big. And so then they come and they question these guys and they ask them, you know, how are you doing this? They were asking them this, and it says, by, by what power or in whose name have you done this in, in verse 7 of, of chapter 4? And then they go on and they continue to preach, and they say, hey, look, it's in the name and the power of Jesus. The members of the council were amazed, it says in verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men who had no special training. This ought to give us all a great word of encouragement. Right? I mean, this wasn't like these were superheroes. These were ordinary men. And the, and the leaders in the church are looking at these guys and going, how did they heal this guy? They're just ordinary guys. How in the world is this possible? And then the next sentence, uh, verse here gives us a little clue. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. See, they kind of put these two together. Ordinary people, but ordinary men who'd been with Jesus. Something's going on here. When you're with Jesus, something happens. And they keep saying, look, it wasn't by our own strength. It wasn't our own power. It was by the power of the name of Jesus that, that healed this man. And see, so you see, our prayers and our courage and our boldness doesn't, doesn't come just from us. This isn't about willing ourselves to be bolder. Like, you know, a football team at halftime after the coach gives a pep talk and says, now go out there and crush them, right? This isn't like, we're going to go out there and we're going to be bold for Jesus because we're just going to be bold. It comes from more because we're nothing, we can't do this thing. We can't love in the way like Christ can. We can't change people's hearts. We can't change their lives. We can't bring healing. But it's in whose power and whose name do we live and do we share life. And, and so we need to be connected with Jesus in this, in this prayer. And if you look at the verses just before this, at the end of chapter 2, you know, we began in chapter 3. Even if you look at chapters 1 and 2, Jesus says, after, in the beginning of in the book of Acts, he says, Jesus says, wait here until you will receive my power. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. So wait here. And they waited and they prayed. And the Holy Spirit came and it gave them power to be the witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. They, they felt this courage. And they would get together and pray. And then Peter preached a message in chapter 2 where many people came to follow Christ. And then they formed as the church going, what do we do now? We, we believe in Jesus. And what do we need to do? We need to study God's word. We need to hear the apostles preaching and teaching. We need to, we need to pray together, it says. They devoted themselves to, the, to prayer. And it's at the end of chapter 2, just before this, it says they came together and they devoted themselves to prayer. And each day the Lord added to their number. So they understood this was in the context of prayer, even though it doesn't let us know what kind of prayers they prayed. But we're going to get a little insight here as we close out the story. So the leaders don't know what to do with Peter and John. And so they say, you know what, we're going to send you off, we're going to punish you, we're going to send you off, but do not speak again in the name of Jesus. That's the only condition, don't speak in the name of Jesus again. And they're going, really? I mean, they're kind of defiant, they're going, why should we listen to, to man instead of God? No, we're going to speak about what God has done, but they were threatened. And we could easily respond in this way, you know, after they send us out and said, oh man, we, should, we can't do that again, we just got in trouble by the police. My boss just reprimanded me for something that I feel strongly about in my faith. I better shut up. I better not do that again. The heat's on. I mean, the authorities were watching now to see what would happen. 
And so it'd be really easy for them now to respond and go, okay, we better just lay low. We better not create any waves, make any wind, whatever. And, and so, but that's not what they did. As you look at chapter 4, verse 23, it says, As soon as they were freed, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John found the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. So they're coming back to the church on that Sunday. They're going, guys, we were told never to speak in the name of Jesus again. Even though we healed this guy, people came to faith. They told us never to speak in the name of Jesus again. And it says this, verse 24, Then all the believers were united as they lifted their voices in prayer. Now what did they pray? Lord, place a hedge of protection around us. Lord, keep us safe. Protect us. Help us to to lay low and and to just kind of underground, make your word known to the world. No. They said, look at the threats. See the people around us and and what they're saying. But then if you look at verse, uh, verse 29, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give your servants great what? Great boldness in their preaching. Send your healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this meeting, the building where they were meeting shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached God's message with boldness. You see how bold living leads to bold prayers? And then these bold prayers resulted in bold living, and they saw demonstrations of their faith, and it really ignited them, and it charged them. So when the pressure was on, when the heat was on, they didn't just shirk back. They didn't just clam up and go into their shell. They asked for more boldness. They asked for more courage to go out and to really do something amazing for God. And we read about that boldness all throughout the book of Acts. And as a matter of fact, the last verse in the book of Acts ends with Paul saying he preached with boldness. All throughout he preached with boldness. So what does this mean for us? What does it mean for you from here? I think some of us need to create situations that God's pre- or maybe recognize situations that God is preparing for us to step out in faith where we're going to feel the heat in a good way. Maybe you need to have those eyes to see today when you leave and you see a need, you see an opportunity and you're not going to turn away and you're not going to do the routine thing but you're going to look into that issue, into that person's eyes, into that situation and you're going to respond. And you're not going to do it out of your own strength, but you're going to say, God, give me the strength and the power in the name of Jesus to do something about this. It's going to make your heart beat a little faster. It may make you a little more uncomfortable. Maybe, it has to, maybe it's something that, where you have to make a phone call that you've been putting off for a long time, and you need to pick up that phone, and you need to call that person or that family member or somebody that you've been estranged with. Maybe it's that difficult conversation that you need to have. Maybe it's a check with some zeros on it that you've got to write to some organization or to something that you believe in or to a person that needs some help. Maybe it's the volunteering that needs to happen. You've got to say, you know, I've heard about this need. I've heard about this need in our church or in the community. Count me in. I'm, I'm going to break the routine and my closing my eyes to the things around, and I'm going to step out and I'm going to watch what God does and how he's going to use me in a way that's going to just strengthen my faith. And you step out in courage and in boldness. So I think it's both things. You step out in boldness and courage, but also pray in boldness and courage. And maybe your prayers need to be changed up a little bit to pray for some courage and boldness. See, a few years ago, the story really has always been one of my favorites. And, and I remember really praying always with our kids, you know, keep my kids safe, keep my kids safe. When we, when we leave the house in the morning, we always gather in a group in the prayer. We kind of put our arms around. I just pray over them or one of us prays and we send them out. And one of the things that we pray for now is God... Give them courage. Give them boldness. Because of this story, it's become one of my prayers. God, give them courage and give them boldness. Yes, I want my children safe. 
But living a Christian life is not about playing it safe. It's about taking risks, taking chances, and it's challenging me to say, what kind of prayers do we need to be praying as a church? Lord, just help us get through another Sunday. (laughs) Help us find a few more volunteers here and a couple more dollars here to help make ends meet. Or really in boldness as believers, saying, God, let's do something amazing here. Do something powerful through us. And, And really pray the kind of prayers that help us to see with different eyes and to live in a different way. Let's pray. Maybe as your heads are bowed right now, maybe God's impressing something even right now on your heart where you could really take a step of courage. Lean into that right now. Look into that. Lord, I thank you for stories like this that we get to to read and to relive and to be challenged and encouraged by to see the boldness of these ordinary, unschooled guys who spent time with you. And out of that time with you had boldness and courage. The time they spent with other believers took a risk and took a chance to speak into the lives of others, to do something out of the ordinary. Father, help us to be more like that. Even today and this coming week, help us not to see work in the same way or school in the same way or the things that we do in the same way. But God, help us to see with your eyes. Father, change our prayers to be prayers of boldness. Help us when we pray together in small groups or here at church to to really ask you to come through in a powerful way, to use us in a mighty way, to give us eyes to see where you're working and moving and to have the courage to step into that. Father, give us better stories to tell. And even as we come together next week and this week, God, that we would hear of some pretty neat things that you're doing because we have the courage to step out and to watch you lead to watch you move. We love you, Jesus. Amen.